This is the Make Dementia Your Bitch podcast, where I explain how caregivers can lovingly respond to confusing or challenging behaviors and reconnect with family members living with dementia. The information in this podcast is for educational purposes and is no substitute for medical advice or care. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 42, Delusions in Dementia. Before I jump into this really awesome content, I just want to send a quick message out to the three listeners I have in Cape May, New Jersey. I will be staying at the Cape May Hotel this weekend. My goddaughter is getting married, and I will be coming in Friday late afternoon, early evening, and I'll be leaving around 11 o'clock Sunday morning. So if any of my listeners would like to stop by, reach out, I can sign books, just send me an email and let me know, and we will get together in the hotel lobby. My email is rita.jablonski at gmail.com, and it is also in the show notes. And yes, when people email me, I do respond. Okay, so let's get down to today's information. In episode 19, I talked about hallucinations and illusions. Hallucinations are seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, or smelling things that nobody else is seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, or smelling. Hallucinations are common in Parkinson's disease, dementia, and Lewy body dementia, but they can pop up and they do pop up in the other dementias. Illusions, on the other hand, are misperceiving an object, like I'm in my garden. I turn to my left and I swear I see a snake on the ground and I completely lose my shit. I look again and it's a coiled up garden hose. In fact, I once scared the crap out of me and everyone in my house when I woke up from a deep sleep and saw a strange man standing at my bedside looking down at me. I screamed and jumped out of bed. My son and daughter came rushing into my bedroom, and when Sarah flipped on the light, surprise, I realized that the stranger was a large hoodie that I had been too lazy to put away, and I had just hung it up on the bedpost. And the way it was draped over the bedpost, the hood was on top of the bedpost knob, which made it look like a head, and the way it draped, it really did look like a human form. So those are hallucinations and illusions. And like I said, I dove deep into that in episode 19. Delusions are usually the third part of that triad. Delusions are defined as false beliefs. And people tend to mix everything up. But delusions are thoughts and beliefs. These delusions can occur anytime in the dementia journey. They usually show up, run their course, and then fade away. For this podcast, I'm going to talk about the three most common types of delusions that are encountered when caring for a person living with dementia. Those delusions are persecutory 
also known as paranoid delusions, jealousy, and scarcity. I'm also going to talk about where those false beliefs may be coming from. In next week's podcast, I'm going to offer ways to deal with these false beliefs, with these delusions, but don't hit stop on this podcast episode and say, screw that, I'll wait till next week. In order for you to develop individualized strategies to handle any delusions that you are encountering, the information that I'm talking about today is foundational. You need this information. It'll make more sense. Quick note, psychologists and psychiatrists tend to think of delusions and delusional thinking within the framework of mental health illnesses like schizophrenia and psychosis and all that good stuff. The important piece for you to know is that the presence of a delusion in a person living with dementia does not mean they are mentally ill. Rather, delusions in dementia happen because of the brain changes associated with the dementia and then the subsequent mixed-up memories and emotions that are associated with these memories. You basically have this casserole of memories and emotions that form delusional beliefs or delusions. And another thing, although I use the definition false belief for delusion, because that's how delusions are defined, because we are pulling all of this from psychiatry, delusions feel very real and truthful to the person having the delusion. Yes, it is literally their reality. A person living with dementia is experiencing the emotions, the feelings, the angst, everything that has to do with the delusion. And they believe it's happening. Therefore, you want to rethink arguing with your loved one living with dementia. This is an argument you are not going to win. And I dive deeper into what you can do next week's podcast. And I do promise it will be released next Sunday because I'm batch recording them now because I'm already behind for this week's podcast and I'm making sure I'm recording it and scheduling it so you will get your dose of podcast. I get emails all the time from people saying, oh my gosh, I love your, pod your podcast. I've been binge listening and now I'm caught up and I wait every week. And I will tell you, when I don't meet that specific deadline because of other stuff going on and other deadlines I need to meet, I really get upset and it bothers me if I don't release exactly on Sunday. So that is my OCD going in. But I am balancing a lot of different things right now and it's okay. It's part of the learning curve. And I'm also fussy about the content I put out there. Yeah. I could release a podcast every week and just make up some shit, but that's not fair to you. I know you're listening, and I am so happy that you are listening, and so I owe it to you, my listener, my family caregiver, to give you good shit. So here we go. 
Okay, let's talk about the different types of delusions. And I'm going to start with persecutory delusions, also known as paranoid delusions. These are one of the most common types of delusion in people living with dementia. And this type of delusion me is usually the belief is someone is trying to harm them. Someone is trying to physically hurt them, poison their food, steal their shit, all sorts of yucky things. Delusions, rather persecutory delusions, tend to start out earlier in dementia as the person is making sense out of a situation that makes no sense. And that's why you will see the persecutory usually in the mild and mild to moderate. It'll pop up. And here's an example. A woman with mild cognitive impairment always puts her house keys in the candy dish on the little table to the right of the front door. She has been doing it since she moved into her house in 1967. Always did it. And she has mild cognitive impairment. She's still putting her keys in the little table, in the candy dish rather, on the little table to the right of the front door. She's now moving from mild cognitive impairment into mild dementia. So there's more short-term glitches. Today, she walks past the table, has her keys in her hand, goes into the kitchen, and she's really thirsty, so she opens the cabinet and pulls out a drinking glass and then puts her keys next to the drinking glass. No idea why. It just happens. She gets her glass of water, does her thing, and she immediately forgets where she puts her keys. Next day, she wants to drive to wherever, and she looks in the candy dish, no keys. What? And she's looking at the candy dish, and she swears she put her keys there yesterday. She had to. That's where she always puts her keys. She's been putting her keys in the candy dish on the table since 1967. Now she's frantic. She tears the house apart. Finally, after hours and hours of looking for the car keys, she happens to open the cabinet, and there are the car keys right next to the drinking glasses. Huh, that doesn't make any sense. I didn't put the keys there. Son of a gun. I bet you it's one of my family members. Yeah, they have keys to my house. I bet you my son came in because he's always whining about me driving and maybe I shouldn't be driving. I bet you that little asshole took my keys and hid them. You see where I'm going with this, people? It makes sense if you put yourself in the shoes of the person living with dementia. As more and more items begin to, quote, disappear because she's putting them places and forgetting where she put them, our hypothetical person may become more suspicious and begin having delusions that people are either stealing from her or they are moving her stuff around on purpose. Usually it's stealing because I can't find my stuff, therefore somebody took it. When people living with dementia 
experience persecutory delusions, you may find yourself front and center in that delusion. You may be accused of poisoning their food, stealing their money, or taking their things. Or if you're not part of the delusion, yay, but your family member may still be convinced that someone is lurking outside of the house and is trying to get into the house and hurt them. And this is where you may have an intersection between delusions and illusions. I, when I talked about illusions, I gave the example of someone looking up and seeing their reflection in a window, misinterpreting their reflection and saying, oh, hey, that must be somebody out there coming in. That can fuel a persecutory delusion that people are out there and they're trying to come in and they're trying to get me. Or if people are hallucinating and they're seeing individuals standing out there, their brain may try to make sense of a nonsensical thing, and that's where the beliefs come in. So they, there can be relationships between all three of these things, or the delusion can happen all by itself. Usually, there's other things going on, like illusions and hallucinations. Sometimes, family members unwittingly start persecutory delusions because they handle a challenge in a way that makes sense, but backfires. Here's an example. I have had family members remove vehicles because they don't want their loved one driving, so they just take the car away. Or they remove firearms, which makes sense because of safety issues. And they remove these items from the house of the person living with dementia. The family then tells the person living with dementia that those items were stolen. Meh. Do not do this. One, the person living with dementia is going to call the police and start a whole shit show. Two, it's going to make the person living with dementia is going to feel like the environment is no longer safe. They're going to feel like they've been compromised. They're going to think that they're targeted. They're going to feel violated. Think about how you would feel if someone said to you, yeah, your car was stolen. That's a horrible feeling. So I understand why the family members did what they did and why they told the lie. They needed to make the environment safe for the person living with dementia and for others. But they accidentally created a whole new problem and they may have started the train of persecutory delusional behavior. So if you have done this, it's okay. I, I don't want you to feel bad about it because you did the best you could in a difficult situation. For those of you considering this option, no, don't. It's not worth it. Now, another issue with persecutory delusions is that they may be an extension of the person's pre-dementia mental health. Because here is the thing. People who have good mental health and people who have poor mental health can both develop dementia. The people with poor mental health usually have more behavioral issues 
and it makes things more complicated for their family caregivers. So here's where I'm going with this. Think about your own lives and the people you interact with. Do you know individuals who truly believe that everything and anything is out to get them? I sure do. These are the people who personalize everything that happens to them. They are the cosmic Eeyores moping around their lives and failing to see the good stuff, always fixated on perceived slights and insults. If your family member fits this description, then it makes sense that persecutory delusions are going to ramp up as memory issues alive because the delusions are just going to hop onto the already existing belief system that's there. Now, there's a difference between persecutory delusions and what's called anisognosia, which I've talked about in episodes 7, 26, and 27. Anisognosia is a failure to recognize one's limitations despite evidence to the contrary. This is the person who needs help but tells you, I'm fine. I don't need you to move in with me. Yeah, I, I go food shopping. I, I take care of myself. I walk the dog. And you're sitting there looking around at piles of dog poop all over the house. And, and the poor little dog looks like it hasn't, you know, been fed in a day or two. And the, the water dish has little spider webs in it. And you're thinking, oh, no, you are not fine. You are not taking care of your dog. You are not taking care of yourself. And that's when family caregivers call me and they, or they leave a message on the Facebook page and say, my loved one's in denial. They're not really in denial. It's a little different. They literally forgot that they forgot so they don't have insight into their limitations or needs. And the medical term for that is anisognosia, is not a persecutory delusion. It's different. It is simply a failure to recognize the amount of help they need. It's a failure to recognize how bad their memory is because they literally forget that they forget. Okay, awesome listeners, I'm going to take a quick break. And when I come back, I'm going to jump into jealousy delusions. So come right back. Don't go away. Let's talk about Jealousy delusions. Here is a quote I received from a loving husband who was caring for his wife living with dementia. I am paying for the sins of her first husband. This was really a, a sad statement for me to hear, and here was the situation. This was a second marriage for both of them. Her first husband was a real tool. In addition to being violent, he had multiple affairs and then would not even take care to at least be a little bit discreet, very sloppy about the affairs. Then when she confronted her husband, number one, about the affairs, he would be very, he would go into a lot of denial, almost gaslighter. Oh, you're crazy. You you're just suspecting stuff that's not there. You're seeing things. Husband number one really did a number on this poor woman. She got rid of him. Then she meets husband number two, 
who turned out to be the love of her life, awesome guy. Unfortunately, when this lady entered the moderate stage of dementia, she suddenly started to accuse her current husband of having affairs. Her perception of time was also altered. When he left the house to go collect mail from the mailbox, and he came back a minute or two later, he was greeted with, Where have you been? I've been looking for you for hours. The poor woman would then retreat to the bedroom and sob and just cry her eyes out. When she accused her current husband of having affairs, he would understandably become defensive, even angry. And her current husband, Paul, you understand where he's coming from, right? He's taking care of this woman who he loves deeply. He's doing everything he can for her. And here he is making sure she's okay. And she turns around and starts accusing him of behavior that he would never do. And so he would understandably try to defend himself and become very reactive. And what Paul didn't realize is when he was becoming very reactive and saying things like, oh, you're imagining things. There's no way I would do stuff like that. He was accidentally saying, he wasn't accidentally, he was saying without his knowledge, some of the very same things that husband number one, John, would say to this woman. So Paul unwittingly was fueling the delusion. And when he came to me, he did not make the connection between his wife's first husband, her distant past, and her current behavior until I started asking question and together we connected the dots. His new insight and knowledge did not change her behavior. What it did change was his perception of the behavior and it helped him be willing to try several strategies. And I'm going to talk about these strategies in uh, next week's podcast. The knowledge and insight also changed his vibe, his energy, which also might have been, and by that, when spouses become caregivers, sometimes their energy toward the spouse that's receiving the care shifts and they go into nurse mode or caregiver mode. And the person living with dementia can feel the shift. And that shift may trigger old fears and old anxieties. Because the jealousy delusions may be grounded in old fears and old secure insecurities. So I'm going to give you an example. My own dad had a very public affair when I was in middle school. In fact, I walked in on my father and his girlfriend making out on the family room sofa while my mother was working her 3 to 11 shift. Let's just say everyone was very surprised and uh, I think I sent a couple therapist kids to Harvard based on some of these experiences. But let's fast forward decades later. Now, to my knowledge, I have had no experiences with unfaithful spouses. 
been married a couple times. As far as I knew, they haven't been unfaithful. Let's say I meet someone today and turns out love of my life, better late than ever. We form a relationship and 20 years go by. Everything's great. Then I start to develop memory problems. I'm diagnosed with dementia. As my dementia progresses, it is quite plausible that I may feel the change in my spousal caregiver. I may feel the vibe change and that may stir up some of the old fears and insecurities that are coming from my adolescent memories. And I may start to show jealousy delusions based on my old unresolved shit. Even though in the, in, when I talk about jealousy delusions, I talk about the possibility that there may be previous circumstances that the person living with dementia is re-experiencing and that may fuel the jealousy in the new situation. It That's not always true. Sometimes delusions come up from existing experiences, rather not existing experiences, but existing memories and insecurities. Okay. I'm now going to talk about scarcity delusions. These are the type of delusions where the person living with dementia is convinced they have no money, they're going bankrupt, they can't afford to pay for stuff, they don't know where the next dollar is coming from, or they may also have scarcity delusions around food insecurity. There's nothing in the fridge, there's nothing here, I'm going to starve. Even though you may walk into the kitchen and you may look at the fridge and look at the pantry and see an abundance of food, in fact, so much that some items are starting to spoil. Or your family member is fixated on their lack of money in the checking account or in the investment account, and you pick up the bank statements and you show them the bottom line and mom, oh dad, you're doing really well. Sometimes showing people bank statements can work for a little while, but it may not. And scarcity delusions often pop up in people who experienced past financial issues or past insecurity. Sometimes family members will tell me that never happened. They were always financially secure. Maybe that's true for you. Maybe your recall of being in that family, you don't recall any times of money being tight or issues around being bankrupt or not being able to pay the bills. First, your parents or your family members might have hid it from you. Although kids are usually pretty astute and they can figure it out. Or the situation may have occurred during a time that you weren't in their lives. So one of the clients I worked with, he uh, was taking care of his dad. His dad was a successful entrepreneur who built up a million dollar business and then sold it for probably a million plus dollars. And my client was helping dad set up the, the household so that dad could safely stay in his house. His, or my client, his son was still working, couldn't be around a whole lot. 
So they were getting case managers and to go with this gentleman for his doctor appointments and putting in, putting housekeepers in place. And this was really a sweet deal. This gentleman had a lot of financial resources and his son was appropriately marshalling the resources to create a very safe and stable environment so dad could stay at home. And that worked for a while. But as his dad became worse, as the dementia progressed, his dad began making statements like, I'm going bankrupt. I can't afford to pay for all of this. He started accusing his son of being frivolous with money and throwing money all over the place. And in fact, it got so bad that my client's father was literally telling the housekeeper, the sitters, the case manager, nope, I can't afford to pay you. Go home. You need to leave. And that's when my client showed up with, how do I handle this? Because this is just a, a perfect little nightmare. And I asked my client, was there any past experience of your dad going bankrupt? And my client said, oh, absolutely not. Dad's always been a great businessman. I said, okay, are there any other family members you could talk to? Or maybe if your dad's having a good day, ask him, ask if he ever declared bankruptcy. And so my client looked at me like maybe I was the one with dementia. And he just said, okay. And a week or two passed. And then I get a phone call. Guess what? My client found out, yes, dad did have a bankruptcy. And it was part of a deep family secret. No one wanted to talk about it. And he did talk to his dad and his dad mentioned what happened. And luckily, my client was able to corroborate this story with an older cousin who apparently had heard about it as well. So the family folklore was when my client's father was a very young man, he was engaged to my client's mother and they were going to get married. And my client's father, instead of getting a traditional job in the factory like everybody else did, oh no, he had to be different. He had to go off and become a businessman. And his first business failed miserably and he had to declare bankruptcy and move back in with his parents. And it was so bad, my client's mother's family tried to end the engagement and marry her off to someone more sensible. This bit of family folklore, family history, was never shared with my client or his siblings. And my client noted when he spoke to his dad about it, his dad really expressed a lot of deep shame and embarrassment. And my client kept telling his dad, but dad, yeah, you had one bad experience, but you went from one bankruptcy to almost a billion dollar business. I'd say you did rather well. And that formed the basis of how my client would then address the delusions of scarcity. So that was a wild ride, but it really underscored the fact that when we have unresolved stuff from our past, it may bubble up again if and when we go down that dementia road. So 
The bottom line here for today's podcast is delusions can range from mild, even amusing delusions. I think someone uh, might be hiding my stuff and messing with me all the way to extremely hurtful delusions of infidelity and betrayal. Delusions do not mean that your loved one living with dementia has psychiatric problems or that they are mentally ill. Nope. The delusions are due to the neurodegeneration, the breakdown of nerves and the brain shrinkage that happens with dementia and the multiple memories and emotions and other things that all tangle up in the dementia brain. So next week, we're going to talk about how to handle the delusions. Thank you so much for listening. I also want to let you know that my paperback book, Make Dementia Your Bitch, is available on Amazon, and there's links to it in the show notes. If you subscribe to Kindle, if you are a Kindle Unlimited member, you can download Make Dementia Your Bitch as part of your Kindle membership. If you are not a Kindle person, you don't have to have Kindle. You can order the Kindle version, but you can download different apps that turn whatever device you have into a Kindle reader. So that's also something to consider if you like to read electronically and you're not a fan of paperbacks. I've been getting some questions about whether or not my book, Make Dementia Your Bitch, will be in audible form. I'm working on that. Probably won't happen until perhaps the fall or the spring. Not sure. I am working on other things. So stay stay tuned about some of the other stuff that will be coming up. So thanks for listening, and I will catch up with all of you next week. Unless you are a couple of my listeners in Cape May, I might be seeing you this weekend. So take care, everybody, and let's make dementia our bitch. I hope you found this podcast helpful. Please rate and review on your favorite podcast platform so other dementia caregivers can find this podcast. If you are a caregiver for someone with dementia and need help understanding and dealing with these behaviors, please contact me. You can find me on Facebook, Make Dementia Your Bee, or email me, info at makedementiayourbitch.com.